kidnapped and left for dead, she turned that horrifying experience into her motivation. She has inspired and given hope to women who are faced with domestic violence. She is known by her students as a powerhouse role model who makes being genuine the most powerful thing of all. Welcome to those of you who I see joining us in the call query and those of you over in our show chat room. Again, uh, at some point, we may open up the lines. And um, if you want to be on air, of course, press the number one on your phone. And if you're in our show chat room and you're there under a, a visitor, You have to log in in order for you to participate in the show chat. Uh, You can type your questions and responses in the chat room, and I will read them for you on air. With that said, Harriet, welcome, welcome to Healing Through Hurt Eye Talk Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here joining you and to share my story and if I can make a difference today I am I'm gonna say my job is done <laughs> I you know it's odd that you say that because I say that all the time I say let me tell you all something I said if we can help one then our job is well done because that oh. one will then take that knowledge and spread it to someone else and mm-hmm. then that's how it grows that's how we we um, we get that message out there because tonight, let me tell you something right here and right now, uh, as we were talking at the pre-show, um, you will be helping me because as much as I am the leader of so many people and they look to me to guide them, I'm still looking for guidance and finding my way and my path as well. You know, I'm still recovering from being left with nothing but faith, forgiveness, and four cents. And um, I know what it was like to be that person who was that role model. And then suddenly, like you said, I believe uh, in the book that um, you you became someone who was a number. You had on, the, the I guess, the hospital band with the number. And me, I became a number in the system when the same thing that I was helping women through prior happened to me. And then, you know, the the leader became victimized. I never say I was a victim, but I was victimized. So with that said, let's just Mm -hmm. go back to um, a little ways back before we delve into – the main issue that we'll be talking about this evening. Uh, As I said in your intro, that you had um, faced many obstacles along the way. And tell us a little bit about um, who Harriet is and how she became who she is. So let's go back a ways and start with the obstacles that led you up to when you were a part of that runway world and that, that, fashionista world let's go back before then and then work our way up to you know the the tragedy to the you know to the to the triumph so 
Oh, you bet. But I, I wanted to add to what you had said that you're going to learn from me. But I, I always think we're all students. If you're a mother, you're a student mother. So there's always room for improvement no matter what. So I know I'm going to learn something from you as well. So I come as a student as well. So it's, so I'm excited to be learning from you as well. Now, uh, my story begins when uh, um, I guess I could go just not too far, but uh, I'll just I'll just mention I came to Canada from Kenya when we came to Canada. The reason there were seven of us in the family, and we came with only four suitcases. So we came to have a better life here in Canada. And it, it was great because you have all these, you read about it in the books, you know, the snow, the four seasons changing. So you come in with an open mind and you come in knowing that things are going to be okay. So to cut the story a bit shorter so that you can get into the story. When we came in, I was walking one day on, on the streets of Edmund, of, of somewhere here in, in Canada, and a lady approached me and my mother and asked if I've ever thought about being a model. At the time, we had no idea what a model was. Like, what is that? That's so foreign to us. Um, anyway, we didn't know anything about it, and I went and researched it, and I found out what a model was, and I looked at Iman. She looked so beautiful, and I thought, wow, I want to be her. So I decided, I told my mother, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Of course, she laughed at me saying, you didn't even know what a model was, and now you're saying that's your dream. Um, time went on. The agency, the agent paid for my classes to be, because we couldn't afford it, but the agency believed in me so much that she paid for my classes to learn how to walk on the runway, to, to do what I needed to be a supermodel. No, super, I didn't become a supermodel, just an international model. And I got into the modeling industry. I went to the International Modeling Talent Association where they scout models. And I was quite fortunate. I got my start there. And I modeled overseas. And I was, I, I was in Shotsi. I was in Luxembourg. I was in Japan. So I did all the modeling, all the modeling career that I had the opportunity to do. And it was great. I loved it. And then I had promised my parents that once I when I, when, once I finished the modeling career, I will go get a formal education. And I did just that. So I, I stopped the modeling career and I focused on my formal education. So I registered to, the, to go to the university and I got accepted. And I was in the international modeling world and I was always being told how beautiful I was, how ugly I was, how fat I was, how skinny I was. So my self-esteem was a little bit on the... On, on up and down, it wasn't consistent. But when I get to the university, I didn't really know who to really, who's going to be my friend. Are they going to be genuine? What should I do? Anyway, eventually, I found an absolutely wonderful person. He was, everybody should have a friend like that, I thought to myself. He was caring. He was absolutely um, it just did a lot for me because being new to the university, not knowing what to expect, he led me and he did so much for me. And it was interesting because I had no idea that his attraction to me was actually a psychological trap disguised as love that later on would become deadly. And I was your typical uh, domestic violence victim. I was young. I was naive. I had absolutely no idea the signs of an abusive relationship. But yet I was vulnerable enough to trust him. So I got to know him. He was very fond of me. He did a lot for me. But there became moments where he would yell and scream. 
and even hit me, but then he would apologize, and I thought, oh, he apologized. Things are good. And he went on and on, and it was a pattern. You'd get really mad. You'd get upset. You would apologize. And I said, okay, he apologized. Life is good. But it got to a point where it was just too much. He was stalking me. It was just, I just got tired of it, and I contacted the police, and the police recommended I get a restraining order. And in case your listeners don't know what that is, it's a, it's something that the police will give you so that the person who is bothering you doesn't come anywhere close to you. So I got that, and I thought, wow, this is excellent. Life goes on. So I continued on with my life. And it was one evening that I was busy with my books, and I looked at the time, and it was, oh, my goodness, 11 o'clock. So I put my books in my handbag, and I went off, got into the elevator in my apartment building, and I wasn't really paying attention to who was in the elevator. I was busy looking for my keys. So I, got, I, I digged into my handbag, and as I'm doing that, somebody grabbed me by my neck and squished it. And it was him. He said, how dare you have a restraining order against me? I'm the only man who ever loved you. I love you more than anybody, and you should not have done that. So when he said that, I was screaming. So I get really nervous, and he took his shoes off and, and, and got his socks from his seat, turned it into a little ball, and stuffed it in my mouth just to silence me. And then he pushed me out of the, pushed me into his vehicle, and we started driving. So as we were driving, he was yelling and he was screaming. And we got into um, an area, it was very isolated, but there was a telephone booth in front of us. And he looked at that telephone booth and he, and he told me to get out of the vehicle and go call my parents and say goodbye to them because this would be the very last time that I'll ever hear from them. And I looked at him and I said, no. And he got very upset at me saying no to him. So he said again, Harriet, in the back of my car, I have a rope, I have a knife, and gasoline. I am going to wrap your body up with a rope. I'm going to cut your body in pieces, and I'm going to put gasoline all over your body, and nobody will ever find you. Now, are you going to get out of here and call your parents? I looked at him again, and I said, no. And that, the second no really upset him. So he reached over from the glove compartment and took a knife and stabbed me twice on my leg. And there was blood gushing everywhere. And even today, I have absolutely no idea how I got to that from that. So when I woke up, I looked around and there was my father and there was the, the doctor. And in, in the waiting room, there was the police and investigators all waiting to talk to me. Now, the doctor told my father that I'm going to be, I was, I was never going to be able to walk because the bone had been chipped so deeply. And if I do walk, it's going to take a long time before I could even walk. So when I had that news, I was in shock. Not too long ago, I was an international model walking the runways in confidence. Now, I was depressed and a cripple. So the only thing that separated me from that confidence and the depression was my trauma. So I started going through feeling sorry for myself. You know, when you go through that trauma, you say, why me? How could this happen to me? I'm a good person. You go through the emotions. But I realized all these things are not going to do me any good. I need to start healing. So I continued. I started having going for physiotherapy. 
and he was in the physio in the waiting room while I was waiting to get my physio. A little girl wheeled in into the waiting room. She was all happy. She was excitable. And I really did not want to talk to her. You know that moment you get where you don't want to talk to anybody, so yeah. leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> so there she was. She came and she she said, how are you? And I just ignored her, hoping she'll go away. But she wouldn't go away, so I figured I will continue talking to her. So I did, and she asked me why I was there. And I explained to her in a version that a nine-year-old would really understand because I didn't want to give her all the details. And she looked at me and she said, wow, you need to use your story to inspire the world. And I looked at this little nine-year-old and I thought where she was getting this wisdom. So when I started finding out more about her, in her family, they always use stories to share and to inspire each other. And I asked her why she was in the hospital. So she told me that she had just been in a car accident. There was a drunk driver that hit the family. So she was motherless fatherless and homeless yet she had so much gratitude so when I heard her story I thought my story is nothing compared to hers but life is not about comparing stories we all have our own journey but and life is about connecting the dots when she told me that at that point in time I didn't really know what she was talking about I just kind of left it on the side so I started my healing process I I started learning how to walk. It took me a long time. It, about a year I was able to walk, but it was, it was not easy. So I, and then I started teaching in modeling schools because they wanted me to come back and help students to learn how to walk. So agencies wanted me to come in and teach. I agreed. I started teaching. But when I was teaching, I realized I was the problem. Here I was inspiring these girls, telling them how beautiful they were, but yet I was the instigator of low self-esteem because I'm telling them to act a certain way. I'm, I'm portraying this image of a model. Like I've been in the modeling industry. I know how damaging it can be because you really, people see modeling thinking, oh, people in the modeling industry are so beautiful, they're perfect. But once you're in the industry, there's a lot more than that. There's some pros and cons, but if a girl has low self-esteem, it, doesn't, it does them no good. So when I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. I decided to open up my own business called Empowered Me. And Empowered Me is about empowering young girls and women to be the truest version of themselves and to be themselves on purpose. So that's what I focus on. I go to schools, communities, I fly all over the world, and I inspire the young girls to really focus on that emotional intelligence, to have that self-worth, self-determination, and Everything that I do, it's all visual. I explain to them because people don't want to hear things. They want to see it. Like if I talk about self-esteem, I show them what that looks like, what it is. And everything that I show them is all tangible. They can see what it means because if they don't see it, it then it's not going to be relatable. So when I, after right. I did all of that, yeah, I, I just decided that was my purpose. Bye, young girls. I think. I think that um, one of the things I was taking notes the whole time, um, mm -hmm. when I was reading about the little girl earlier, uh, mm -hmm. I said, you know, it's amazing. I always say the divine timing and things like that in the universe or whatever people want to call mm -hmm. the the divine being or whatever name they want to give to whatever deity they believe in. To me, I believe in that thing called divine timing. And that little girl came into your life and she gave you that 
breath. She breathes that healing mm-hmm. into you. She, without you even knowing it. And the one thing that stuck out with what you said was gratitude. And I always tell people mm-hmm. how, no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, when I got to my lowest point, I was always grateful because I said, thank you. Because yeah. I get to try to make it better this day. And I'm a, a step closer to doing that than I was the day before. And when you said that you had to tell them what, because for me, I always tell people growing up, I didn't have low self-esteem. I had no self-esteem. And only mm-hmm. for a short time was I in the world of modeling. I like to be on the back end. And because of that no self-esteem in my situation, yeah, I learned how to tolerate and accept a lot of things out of a lot of people. And I did ignore some signs that the same things that I would tell other women about, I ignored mm-hmm. them in my own life. So wow. when... um you know, you, you went from um, Martin and how the things that he did to you and you didn't know to this day how you got from, you know, being mm-hmm. under his control to the hospital. Um, I don't want to go just yet into the, the healing process because we're on to something because what you just said I've heard so many times before. I always tell people that our means may be different slightly. End is the same. We have fallen for these people who give us that wonderful life. In your case, it was Martin, your friend. In my case, it was the person who I married. And... It became one of those things where, for me, Mm -hmm. I looked in the mirror one day and didn't know who was looking back at me. That's a turning point. And yeah, yeah, and and it's it's something that whenever I have a guest such as yourself, and you tell these compelling stories. There's always someone on the other end of our voices who are saying, she's speaking my life. Mm-hmm. And a little bit more about how, say, the people listening all over the world, wherever they are, mm-hmm. when you were talking about the confidence and the self-esteem and all of that, if I told every all the listeners to close their eyes, how would you tell them to envision it for themselves? Because a lot of people just don't get that part. They are totally lost because they are so low and deep into, you know, these stagnant waters that they don't they don't know how to believe in themselves. They don't they they can't even fathom where to begin. So what would you say to them right now? If I said, everybody just close your eyes and listen to Harriet's voice and let her help you to envision it. Because if you can envision it, 
then that becomes mm-hmm. your motivation to make that a goal. So what would you say to them, Harriet? I think a lot of the time when you have a low self-esteem, most of the time is you don't have any self-worth. You don't think you're worth anything. So what I do and what I've often done when I'm doing workshops with young women and even men, I'll bring a $20 bill. And what I'll do with this $20 bill, I'll ask, who wants this $20 bill? Everybody wants it. So I take the $20 bill and I'll crumple it. I'll dump water on it and I'll step on it. And I'll say, okay, who wants this $20 bill? Everybody says, of course I want it. And I ask them why. And they say, it's because it did not lose its worthiness. It's still $20. So I say, exactly, just prove my point. So in your life, you're going to be stepped on. You're going to be dumped water on. You're going to be everything that you can think of was going to happen to you. But you do not lose your self-worth. So I tell them that you need to love yourself no matter what. Everything that comes to you, there's a reason that's happening. You will not lose your self-worth. So you need to love yourself unconditionally. Now, you can't give what you don't have. If you don't feel love, you're not going to give love. I can't give you lemonade if I don't have oranges. You can't, you can't do that. So you have to have love within yourself to be able to give love and have somebody love you. So I go through a lot of these different scenarios to help young women and men as well to completely love themselves because it's so important to know that you do not lose your self-worth no matter what happens. And I think you touched on something great there when you said that I always tell people that, and I just shared it in a show chat room, that um, your story as you were telling it is is real life for so many women and men because Mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't understand that men hurt too. Men can go through this as well. And I tell people, Mm -hmm. I said, yes, this is healing through hurt. And if women think that it's all about girl power and we're always right, no, some of us are not. And, um, and men, they, they lose their way as well. And for, um, Many, I just always want to put that out there because um, a large part of our listenership are males. And um, a lot of them write and they tell their stories as well. But because society says that men can't hurt, um, a lot of them mm. are hesitant to yeah. do that. But Yeah, um, men, it's, it's important to empower men as well because when I work with young girls I also have workshops for boys and men and father and sons so if we're going to empower our girls we need to empower our boys because they have to support us in everything that we do so it's not all about just girls although my my core of my program is just girls but I do definitely work with men and boys because it's so key to empower our boys as well Yes, and I think that that's a key part that so many people are missing um, in their narratives is the fact that um, even in the current environment that we're in now, um, here in the United States, uh, there's a lot of civil unrest going on, and our young men especially are being targeted. Um, yeah. And things, things are just happening now. But as you said, that it's important for us to 
have that conversation with young men. And I have a, another conversation with the young uh, ladies, too, because I tell the young ladies that sometimes they can be very um, – the they can be the antagonist in the situation, and um, we need to understand that when you push for every action as an equal or greater reaction, whether it be mm-hmm. positive or negative – Again, that depends on who you're pushing. And, oh, yeah. you know, and, and with, with Martin, you said mm-hmm. some things that, um, and, and I'm going between what I read and what you were saying, is the fact that you had that person, you said that he was that type of person that you thought you thought everyone should have as a friend. Mm-hmm. And yes. and then comparing comparing that to my life, I thought that my then future husband was that type of guy that we had made plans and you know we were working on building another new home and and growing mm-hmm. his business and doing all of this and that and and he was just we had old fashioned date nights and going out and he had wow. a brilliant mind. But, you know, in the end, he was just a brilliant bum. And in in, in doing so, you know, but it's okay in in this sense. And when I say that, some people say, what are you saying? I said, simply this, because every fire that I had to go through has brought me to this point, has made Mm -hmm. me that voice for those who are living in silence and who are crying out in silence. And in the same way, it brought us together because I don't know. Um, sometimes I just sit and try to wonder where my life would have taken me had I not gone through these fires to bring me to this point where healing through hurt was birthed over 10 years ago out of my experience. Back then, I was the strong person. I was that one that was drying the tears. I was that one that was helping these people find their road to healing and all of that. And then I became a statistic in the system, going before those judges that so many of the women that I had helped had gone before. I then knew what it was like from a different perspective to be that person Mm -hmm. where the judge says, come back when I can see bruises on you. And I always tell people, if you know anything about a darker-hued person, we don't bruise yeah. that easily. If we bruise, that means that we're darn near death because we have been beaten to a pulp. Mm. So these are the types of things that, um, you know, when I listen to your story and I, I'm envisioning everything from what I read and uh. yeah it's it wasn't an easy road and uh I think the 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 biggest thing is the healing process like how do you get through all of this that has happened to you how do you forgive how do you move on so that's the process that is really the key to just moving forward because you can't if you stay in the same place, it's really hard to really love yourself unconditionally. You're always self-blaming yourself. You're, you're pretty much accusing the wrong person, which is yourself, 
for what has happened to you. And you can't do that. Right. You cannot move forward right. by making yourself feel horrible. It just it just makes you feel even worse and you don't even want to move forward. So I had to go through the healing process as you are as you've probably had to do that and I'm sure you've came up on top as well. It's not easy but it's a process we all have to do. Suffering is part of our of our path. Right, right. And you know, and yeah. my, my abuser lives right out in my backyard. You know, he's oh. he's right there. I mean, he lives there with the woman that he had the affair with. They are living in the house oh. right in my backyard. And you know, a lot of people. Now, let me ask you this because this is healing through hurt. And I tell people, in order for me to connect with people, mm-hmm. I have to tell my story. And there are mm-hmm. some people who are so. I don't know if you've experienced this, but they are so bent on saying, well, you're just telling the story because you're the jilted ex-wife. I'm like, are you kidding me? No. Mm. A jilted ex-wife would be that person who would be there banging on the door and slashing tires and doing all that. Absolutely not, because I know what she Mm -hmm. took off of my hands. At best, I should hug her for taking... Him and and he point blank said, you know, it, it's not just about me. He had plans mm-hmm. for her too. He wanted he wanted someone who he could control, who wouldn't question him, who would give him what he wanted and do as he said, and all of that. And that is definitely her, because it was not me. And one of the things that um, I think that. You know, when he he would he would he wouldn't put his hands on me like Martin put his hands on you. He would either throw things mm-hmm. at me because he, in his mind he thought that somehow that kept him safe. And I, I want to go back to the re- yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, one night I had come home from the hospital and I was drugged heavily, and we were already in the middle of. You know, I told him that he had to go. It was just not going to work. And I woke up in the morning, and I had this blue cloth, cloth in my right hand. He was standing at the foot of my bed just with a smirk on his face. And he said, now you can't go to the judge and tell him that we didn't have sex. So now we can't get a divorce. So I said, what did you do? And he decided to rape me to prove a point. Oh. And to tell me that, you know, you know, I was his property and blah, blah, blah. And all he had to do, he's been with the neighbor. I divorced him in 10. And he's still playing that role with her. Now, both of her parents have died in the last year. So now they've moved into mommy and daddy's house. And he's still running around telling people that he owns a house. Technically, he's homeless. He's just shacking up that he hasn't paid a penny towards this home. But he's living there now. And my life is still going on. So when I have my um, engagements and I talk to people, I tell them, Mm -hmm. they're like, how can you do this? The first thing they want to know is how can you do this? And Mm -hmm. I'm leading up to you to tell us about your healing process because there are some people who say, you seem like you're upset. Why would I be upset? This man had nothing to offer. The more I learned about him, and I'm that person Mm -hmm. that did the 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 background checks and all of that, and what are the chances wow. of him and someone else having identical first, middle, and last names 
with their dates mm-hmm. of birth being off by a month and a day or something crazy like that, getting the wrong reports mm-hmm. and then getting married and finding out that this guy is just just a really uh, like a con artist, a great one, oh, and he's still funny. playing the role. Wow. Mm-hmm. But you see, for me, that's how this show, Healing Through Hurt, was birthed. And I'm still sitting here, you know, I started a new company, I woke up, I went to law school, I did all types of things um, oh, good for you. to That's help exciting. other That's people, awesome. <laughs> you know, That's and wow. peace, Indy Queen, Indy Queen 86, hello to you, welcome to our mm-hmm. program this evening, uh, Harriet and I <laughs> are talking about her journey. Um, from Mm -hmm. tragedy to triumph and healing. (laughs) And uh, if you'd like to join our conversation, you can either join us online uh, on the call line at 646-478-4726, or you can type any question or comment you have in the chat room, and I'll read it for you on air. But thank you for joining us this evening. Welcome. (laughs) So, Harriet, let's... um, Oh, what was I'm going back to my notes now. This is the fun part because I told you that so I was just writing so many things and I know I said, Okay, so she said they had four suitcases. I said I said faith, forgiveness and four cents and believe it or not, my little blended family and I we mm-hmm. were thinking about moving to Canada. So um oh, You're welcome. <laughs> I have a room here for you. <laughs> I said, oh, my gosh, I may have to take you up on that and come up there and really visit. <laughs> yeah. and um, Free health care here. And uh, yeah. that that's a plus mm-hmm. in itself. But, yeah, we've been talking mm-hmm. about that for a while. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's mm-hmm. time for a change. And um, mm-hmm. Canada, I love Canada when I was there before. And um, it's always stuck with visit? me. So, What part of Canada I was in visit? Montreal. I was in Montreal. Oh, the French. Oh, they speak French there. Yes. Montreal is beautiful. Yes. It's very much to fashion. They're really like a fashion center. So it's definitely mm-hmm. Montreal is the place to be, but you should come to Edmonton. That's where that's where all the fun is. <laughs> of course, everybody says that about their city. Oh, it's very cold here. I would not recommend it. <laughs> it's too cold. I'll I recommend um... Vancouver or Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at any and all options. I'm looking at um, real estate, things like that, um, mm-hmm. just to see, you know, but it is yeah. on my radar right now. But, oh, um, yeah. We like Americans. But, we can uh, come yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. That's, that's really there. And um, so you've just given me, again, more validation mm-hmm. that, that that may be our new home. Um, but uh, and your money is better than ours. You, you, the dollar value in the U.S. is way better than ours. So you'll be doing well. <laughs> it's a seventy cents for for you. You get a a dollar thirty for our dollar. So so you'd uh, yeah. do well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last is, time I was the there, currency. I think you got every dollar. I think I got a dollar and forty some odd cents when I was there oh, before, yeah. something like that. <laughs> you make money. So it was really. <laughs> you make money. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. 
when we get to that point, um, I don't remember what I read it, but mm-hmm. I know that he had um, cut you in several places. Yeah, you Oh, I still have a scar, like it's a big scar on my left leg because he stabbed me so deep in my bone that the doctor had to again cut through right. my skin to re- to fix the healing to make sure they he removed the infection. So I have a beautiful scar that really reminds me of my beautiful life. I don't really stress on it. I've forgiven him. I've gone over it and I wish him nothing but happiness in the world. And that wasn't easy to go through that. This forgiving somebody is actually for yourself. And in the book that uh, we wrote, that I wrote with Dr. Leica, we, we call them the golden pearls. And uh, the reason why we call them 13 golden pearls is actually a golden pearl does exist in real life. And the way it's uh, formed is a, in, it's a South, South Sea oyster that is found in Indonesia and Philippines. So a little luster goes into the shell and really the shell and mm-hmm. after the irritation, a beautiful golden pearl comes out. So the suffering is really makes the golden pearl become as beautiful as it has. So that's very symbolic to the life that, that I, this, my life, my, my own life is the pain that I went through has turned me into a beautiful person. But I had to go through the pain to really appreciate right. it. Because when you're going through the pain, you think, why me? You question yourself. And it's natural to do that. But the biggest thing you have right. to do is forgive so that you can keep going. Right. And, and forgiveness and that's is one easy. of the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well. I think that, um, yeah, it takes a while to get to that point. And one thing that I do share with people that I talk to is the fact that maybe He's a my ex is a better person now. Maybe he's changed for the neighbor because maybe he had to get all of that out of his system and he took it out on me. And maybe I'm hoping that he's not just playing the role and he's not still just working his game. There's some things that, um, you know, I, I'm the keeper of his secrets. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'd love to say that I, I want to believe 100% that he has, but I wish them yeah. nothing but the best because what I went through, I wouldn't even mm-hmm. want her to go through because... Have you forgiven him? Have you forgiven him? I've forgiven him and moved on because guess what? If I didn't forgive him, mm-hmm. there would have been mm-hmm. problems by now. And I would have been fighting for myself to get out of jail probably because not only oh, did he okay. destroy me, but he destroyed the mm-hmm. home that I had built long before I met him because his thing was if he couldn't have 50% of a home that he had nothing to do with, I would have 100% of nothing. So to this day, I'm still fixing mm-hmm. up the home that he tore up. So, so how again, did you forgive him? How did you go through that? What was your process? For me, it was so many things happened then. Because as I said, he left me penniless with nothing but faith, forgiveness, and four cents. Mm-hmm. So my first, wow. my personal first phase was I was tired. I I was out of work at the time. I was left with nothing. I was about to lose my home. I had nothing to really live for. Mm-hmm. So the first phase for me was live or die. Oh, survival mode. Okay. 
He had no choice, you know, but he had was, to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had to pick one or the other. I chose to live. Then I chose mm-hmm. to brush myself off. And I had that talk with that person that I saw in the mirror. Now, don't get me wrong. When I first left, he was expecting me to come running after him and doing all of these things. And I had went through the slash tires and all of the stolen license plates and, you know, all types of um, property damage and things of that nature. Because I believe that he still thought that he had some control, which was what he was used to. But in order for me to move on, I knew that I had Mm -hmm. to get up every day, go out that door and live. And I saw too many in my lifetime, too many people who stay stuck in that one place. So for me, Mm -hmm. Harriet, I wasn't going to stay stuck in that one place. I was going to rise above that and live. Mm -hmm. And so many people Mm -hmm. think, how do you do that? Remember, he's only a few yards away living with the woman that he had the affair with when we were married. I still get up, I go out my Mm -hmm. door, I live my life, I go grocery Mm -hmm. shopping, I date when I feel like dating. If I don't, I won't. Mm -hmm. You know, I enjoy gardening. I'm living my life. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to sell my house. This is my home. This is my home. And Mm -hmm. if I go backwards, then I might fall into that. Like so many women do and or men. But I refuse yeah. to be a prisoner to that past because in I have helped so many people. My healing process came from me walking this journey with others and helping them to know, hey, listen, this is your story. This is mine. I live this to this mm-hmm. day. I've been divorced from him for 10 years. Oh, and wow. yet the person. Who destroyed everything for me, who destroyed everything, mm-hmm. who violated my body, who took from baby's piggy bank everything, tore up my home that I had built before I even met him, lives a few yards away. Mm, that's tough. Yeah, it's so, not easy see, to forgive. It definitely isn't. Because uh, we're it, not born it, with the ability to forgive. Yeah, but you have to in order, like you said, Mm -hmm. it's to help you Mm -hmm. move on. It's to help us move on because, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, and I'm smart enough to know how to do serious damage. But, oh, my gosh, that's so much effort that it would take out of me. Mm -hmm. You know, why would I want to do that and go backwards and then stoop down to that level? I wish them well. I hope that he treats her like the queen, that he should have treated me when I was his wife, but that wasn't meant to be. So maybe Mm -hmm. I'm that catalyst that helped him to change because maybe I'm one of the first women who divorced him or walked away from him and didn't come groveling back because, no, life is too short for that. And, again, are we going to choose to stay in that place, that unhealthy place, Or are we going to move on and be happy, find whatever happiness is out there? It wasn't meant Mm -hmm. for us to survive. It wasn't. It was meant for me to go through that fire so that I can 
have shows like this and talk to people like you who share your story because I tell people my story may not be their story. There are people out here who needed to hear your story because mine is not theirs. So yes, again, we all have a story. Mm-hmm. definitely right, and yeah, your story is is more profound to me. Even though mm-hmm. our hurt is the same, our means are yeah. different, and how we get to this point where we can talk about this, but not be consumed by it. Yeah, that's important to get rid of the. It is, yeah, because uh, we're not born with the ability to forgive because forgiveness is not natural. Now, hate is a natural human emotion, but I think when I when I tell people the word hate, they think, oh, I don't want to hate. But if you look right. at the definition of hate, it's uh, the definition is an intense or passionate dislike for someone or something. And when I I, I say hate. They don't, they don't like the connotation of hate, but in reality, what they say is they don't want to get angry because anger is hostile, lack of self-control is destructive, but hate is protective. We use hate to protect what we love. For example, you can say, I hate cancer because it killed my father. Now, when I was going through the healing process, I actually used three very important steps, and these are the steps I really recommend to a lot of because I work with women who have been abused so I, I I always share these three steps because they've worked for me and I and they've worked for them too so these three steps are number one you have to write down why you hate because hate is a natural emotion we should not do, you should not stop yourself from feeling these negative emotion it's okay we're human so you write down why you hate so for me I had to say I hate my attacker because he put me in the hospital I hate my attacker because he put a scar on my leg. So that's number one. Write down what you hate. Number two, take that second sentence and turn it into love. I hate my attacker because I love being healthy. I hate my attacker because I love my perfect imperfections. And then number three, get rid of the hate and now you focus on the love part. I love being healthy. I love my perfect imperfection. I love my family support. And you say it three times in the morning and in the evening. I love being healthy. I love my perfect imperfection. I love my family support. So now it becomes a love journal. Now you're getting rid of all the hate. And pretty soon the writing will trigger the part of your brain that does all the thinking, the creativity, and the reasoning. So when you start to focus on the love part, you even forget about your, your, the person who hurt you. Because it, it's, uh, when the snake bites you, it's not the bite that hurts. It's the venom that goes in your body. So if you continue to just keep that poison in the body, it's, it does you no right. good. And, uh, and what I normally do with uh, women who really don't really understand what I'm talking about, because everything's about visual, I'll ask them to hold a water bottle, two liters, and then hold it for one hour, hold it for two hours, three hours, 24 hours, two days. So if you're holding it for that long, the water bottle doesn't change. What changes is the pain in your arm. So if you continue to hold right. it like that for so long, your, your arm is going to just get worse and worse. So you need to let it go and forgive for yourself. So you're doing it for yourself so you can get rid of that poison. Because you might be hurting right. and hoping the other person is is hurting, but they've gone on with their life. They don't care about you. They're having a good life. Meanwhile, right. you're just suffering. Yeah, so it's always good to just right. let it go. And I think uh, when I'm working with women who have been abused, that's always a challenge. 
because it's easy to forgive if somebody, if maybe your girlfriend forgets to meet you for lunch or is late. That's easy to forgive. But something that's happened to you, something traumatized your child or happened to you, it's not easy to forgive. So if you use these three steps, it really helps you get to the other side because you need to find out why am I hating? Why am I upset? So using right. a, white, a piece of paper and writing it all down, and that really is very effective. And what I and did, of, I'm glad that you mentioned mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. because we do have a comment over in this uh, show chat room. You're, you are strong mm-hmm. women. It takes a lot mentally to go through all that you went through. You should be proud of getting over that and moving on. Your story will Mm -hmm. help more people out there who may think they have no hope. And that is, that, that's so true. And, um, you know, our stories are similar in that what I do, I take the stories from other people and I, I, I actually wrote a book about it. I took their stories and I changed their stories and presented them in poetic form. Because oh, I said, nice. once you write this down and you see it, then you let mm-hmm. this go. Mm-hmm. And for me, I didn't, I didn't, I, I never tell anybody that I hate him. Yeah. I mm-hmm. hate what he did to me. I hate all mm-hmm. of the things that he took from me. But to hate the individual mm-hmm. himself, no. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that comes from something that's, way back that my ancestors put in me a long time ago because I grew yeah. up in an abusive home. And I, again, I learned how my pattern is totally different. And then I have people do that. So I did that for some, I, you know, I modelized their stories in a book in poetic form so that they oh, could wow. let that go. Mm-hmm. And then I have what I, you know, I call it my box, and I tell them, take this sheet of paper, write it all down, Mm -hmm. and I said, fold it up and put it in the box, because after our sessions, I'm like, you're leaving Mm -hmm. this here with me. Oh, okay. Don't take it with you, you know? So that's how I do it, to make it different. Mm -hmm. You know what you said, that we would be kind of feeding off of one another, and we are, but again... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I want mm-hmm. people to understand that. And so many people think, I couldn't do what you do. And I said, if you had to, you would yeah. be able to do it. If you had the right people in your corner supporting you, of which I had none of that at the time I was going through it. But then I lived my whole life alone. So for me, it worked. So that's why I knew that. When you say take all of that negative and make it that positive, exactly mm-hmm. right. I had to figure out yeah. how to take my experience and make it that pathway to ignite that change in, in the other women who are still sitting there. Because there's a difference between being victimized and considering oneself a victim. Because as long yeah. as we have that victim mentality, we will not be able to move past the trauma. You're right, and it's not easy. And when I, when I was going through this forgiveness process, I looked at the icons, people who have lived through these, these experiences, like Nelson Mandela. One of the things that he said, when he, the most 
painful thing that ever happened to him was when his son died and he was not allowed to go to the funeral. So that's the biggest pain that he ever went through. But when he got out of, out of jail, he actually invited his jailers to sit in front during his inauguration. And he was asked, why would you do something like that? And he said, if he did not do that, he would still be in prison. So that's why he had to invite them to sit in front so that he can let it go and move on. So if you can see people like Nelson Mandela able to forgive something that is so traumatic and move on, or even people who are in the Holocaust, they're the most happiest people in the world. They have so much gratitude. So learning from all these icons, for me, it really helped me go through the healing process. And that's so important. And also getting yourself close to nature. Like you'll be amazed how therapeutic it is to go when you're feeling down in the dumps, just going to nature, walk in the forest, just listen to the birds and listen to the trees and so on. And it's just, it's just outstanding how, how great you'd feel. It's a feeling that we all need to have every so often. There's a, there's a tree in, um, it's called, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's the redwood trees in San Francisco. Do you know, are you familiar with that? And I know the redwoods. Yes. So there's actually, they call it the underground secret of the redwood trees. And this, what is the secret, people always ask? Well, the secret is the underground red trees has these roots that grow out. and But that forest has gone through a lot of storms, gone a lot of natural disasters and so on, but the, the trees still stay intact. But what's interesting about these trees is the roots grow out and they reach the roots of the other trees. And then when the two trees meet, they wrap around each other and they embrace each other to create this permanent bond and support. And then the little trees, as they're growing, they also kind of get get the yeah. giant and the little baby trees to really intertwine. So we all have to help each other. And the roots for us as human is our own hearts and affection. We all have to care for each other and just strengthen the unity that we have because there's so much hate going on right now. So if we all see yeah. all lives matter, all lives are sacred. So by just forgiving and just keep loving each other and just intertwine, it's so easy to love each other, but it's so difficult for people to see that. It's just been so sad to see people who are going through what we are going through, this COVID, and then there's this social injustice. All of these things are just creating a lot of uh, negativity, and I think that's really impacting a lot of people. Some people find it difficult to heal and to forgive and just move forward. So it's so important for all of us to work together. And that's one thing I like to advocate with the women and the men that I work with, to really just be kind. It's not Kindness is free. It doesn't cost anything. It's so key, and yeah. and I think we we all need to keep to keep uh, the biggest thing. We all worry too much. <laughs> That's the biggest thing, and yeah. there's actually a study that's been done on how much we all worry. And uh, I'm not sure if you've had the, the study on how much we all worry. There's a forty percent of the things that we worry about are things that are never going to happen. For example, I'm going to come to uh, to California, and then I'm going to get caught in a wildfire. That's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Or the things in the past that three percent is things in the past you cannot change. Maybe you you type that email and you send it off to your boss, and the whole world got the email. You only meant to send it to one person. 
So that's the past. There's nothing you can do about it. So don't worry about it. So that's 30% of, of things we worry, in the, worry about that have happened in the past. And then there's the health issue. You, you wake up in the morning and maybe you have this rash on your skin and you look on, on Google. Mr. or Mrs. Google tells you you, skin, you have skin cancer and you're terminal. So that's 12%. It's not legit. You're just making an assumption you're going to die. Right. So that's 12%. And then there's the miscellaneous things, 10%. Like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to cook for supper tonight. I'm not sure. i got to go to Walmart. Are they going to close at night? So you worry about that. So that's 10%. So when you do the math, that's about 92% of the things we worry about will never happen. So that really leaves about 8% that we really should be worrying about. So you see, we worry about so many things, and then we create so much stress within ourselves. And we need to just... Silence those those words. Just control your controllables. That's so important. And we all need to do that. It's so key. Right. And and I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, mm-hmm. <sighs> what, it's a, those no, are the diseases of attitude. <laughs> yes. I call it the disease of yes, attitude. Yes, and I was <laughs> worrying. <laughs> I wanted to um, touch on, it was something from the uh, book, Golden Pearl Number. Oh, the book. Okay. Because we haven't really talked about the book that much just yet, but I think that for our last um, couple of minutes, we should talk about some of the key parts in the book because I said, you know, now we're getting into, you know, how you want to live that fantastic life. So we've talked about all of the ways that we've shared the traumas. Mm-hmm. Now we're sharing the healing process. Mm-hmm. Just by forgiveness. And, and, you know, the, it, that's the part that so many people struggle with, the forgiveness part. And not only forgiving mm-hmm. the perpetrators, but then we have to look in the mirror and forgive the person looking back at us. Because so many of us, I could sit here all day, you know, and I could say, you you know, I saw this sign and I ignored it and I did this and I did that and I did the other and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It serves no purpose Mm -hmm. because only the only purpose that it serves is that if you see it in the next person, don't ignore it. That's it. The end. But we cannot Mm -hmm. continue to to be the judge, jury, and executioner of our future and put ourselves in a lifelong jail because of something that happened. There are so many, I work with older women too. Some women are holding oh, on okay. to things that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. Oh, this my. Is a generation yeah, that's hard. You know, because wow, they then pass it along to their daughters and their daughters pass it along to their daughters. And they keep passing along hurt. Yeah, that's difficult because you're inheriting something that you don't want to pass on to your child. That's a a difficult weight to carry. So I think it's important to really get rid of that poison out of your body and just move on. Like you said, it's important to forgive yourself, own own your story, and then forgive yourself. It's very important. Yes, yes. I um mm-hmm. So, let's get into the secrets to living a fantastic life. Um 
of course, you and the doctor, you share your stories um, Mm -hmm. of survival through, of course, 13 golden pearls that you both Mm -hmm. discovered. In our last, um, you know, (laughs) moments, in our last hour or so, uh, tell us, pick some of your most profound of the 13 and share that with us and tell us, you know, a a little, give us a little bit. I don't use golden nuggets. I call mine titanium tidbits. So, (laughs) you know, give us some titanium tidbits. Um, that you, yeah, we call you them can resonate with, yeah. identify with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bet, yeah. Yeah, because initially we were going to call them golden nuggets. And I said, that sounds like a food expert, golden nuggets. Sounds like, you know, something you get at McDonald's, you know, the nuggets. <laughs> so we went to the golden pearls because of what it symbolizes. So from the book, Living, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic, so we started off with 20 golden pearls and we just trimmed them down to 13 because we felt those were more digestible. We don't want to overwhelm the world with so many. And I already mentioned one, which was forgiveness. And the second, the one that I really feel is also important is purpose. So this one I find important, especially in this day and age where the economy is really been such a trying period. So what I like with the the purpose is, I will paraphrase uh, Dolly Patton where she says, everybody has a purpose, and I agree with that. So in the book, The Secret to Living a Fantastic Life, we use the, the Japanese model called Ikigai, and what Ikigai means in Japanese as a reason for being. So when you're trying to find the reason for being for yourself, you just need to ask yourself four very important questions. So number one is what is it that you love to do? And this is something that even if they didn't pay you, you'd still do it. So that's number one. And number two is what are you good at? And sometimes it's difficult to find out what you're good at. It's always, sometimes it's best to ask your friends because you may have done something for them. Maybe you're a good listener. You could be a, a psychologist or maybe you're good with numbers like I am. You could become an accountant. So that's the second thing. What are you good at? And then number three, what does the community need or what does the world need? And then the very last one is what is it that you can do and get paid for it? Because it's really important to get compensated for what you're doing. So those are the four questions when you want to find your ikigai. What do you love to do? What are you good at? What does the community need? And what can you do and get paid for? So once you find your ikigai, then you have found your reason for being. And what I would recommend for your listeners is because it's a very complex process, is just start off with what I call a part-time Ikigai. And Ikigai is spelled I-K-I-G-A. I-K-I-G-A-I. So what you can do is start off with your part-time Ikigai. Find out what you're good at and what you love to do. So those two are really, they're more digestible to work with because you can find out how much, what you love to do. You can write down 10 things or maybe you may not have anything for a while. But just working on that, it will just help you find out what your purpose is. And once you find your purpose, you will be, you will, you will know what your reason for being is because sometimes we don't really know. And your ikigai can change. When you're a little girl, little boy, it was different from when you are an adult. So it's a work in progress. So that's one of my favorite golden pearls. Did you want to hear another one? Yeah. Or? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I wanted to say that mm-hmm. I was hoping that you would have um, 
done, I believe that's number five. I think that's number five. Uh, purposes. Yes. Is it number five? I think it is. Um, yes. Intention is purpose. Yeah. Number five. Because I said, okay. Yes, number five. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because. Yeah, number five. That's another thing that I tell people. I said, instead of you sitting here, and again, it's the way that we present these, and I love this book and the way that it's presented this way because I give people options. I always say, okay, this is one way you can look at it. For me, I say, you know what? People, mm-hmm. you cannot stay stuck in the stagnant water. Find a hobby. You know, what are you good at? Yeah. You know, what do you yeah. like to do? Take mm-hmm. a painting class. Take a belly dancing yeah. class. Do something. Yeah. If you get involved, mm-hmm. you know, your mind doesn't have all of that free time to mm-hmm. keep reminiscing. <laughs> Yeah. About things long gone. And <laughs> and I always say love don't love no one who don't love you. Like you said, they've moved on. They don't think about you. They've moved on. Nope. Yeah. yeah. yeah and even if they haven't, guess what? You can move mm-hmm. on. But even if they yeah. haven't, you can move on. Don't go back and become the third wheel. You know, you're no longer the, the front and center person. You now the third wheel. And there's no game playing going back and forth just to prove a point, you know? It's like, are yeah. you kidding me? Why would I want to do that? It's even like, it's, it's just amazing to me how. Yeah, people want to, one thing that I found out is that people are quick to say, no, you notice you're upset. I do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Because in saying that to me, that helps them to validate mm-hmm. their actions. And I said, see, this is where we part ways because yeah. I'm not unhappy. I'm living my life. Can I talk about this? Sure. I have to because I'm a speaker. I'm a teacher. Yeah. You know, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm that person that has to connect with my audience. And in order for me to do that, I can't do that if I'm not transparent and sharing my story. So in that respect, right. I'm like, people, beyond mm-hmm. that, there's no mm-hmm. anger, there's no hatred, you know, there's no anything. Yeah. I said, because, again, what purpose would that serve me? I'm more mm-hmm. than half a hundred years old. What do I look like acting like some young, impressionable girl with a crush that <laughs> got her feelings hurt? No, 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 no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, you just go from there, and um, I'm like, uh, no. And somewhere in the book, I remember, I don't remember whether it was one of the pearls. I think it was, but they spoke about the butterfly and the cocoon. Oh, yes. And many times I, I, I also speak about the butterfly, and I say, you know, that's, that shows you how that butterfly has to fight to get out of that cocoon mm-hmm. once yeah, transformation is over. Yes. Yeah, those are vulnerable. The vulnerability, golden pearl. Yes, vulnerability. You know, right, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a good one as well. That's also one of my favorites. Actually, they're all my favorites. I think uh, especially now, well, for, and for, it's mostly for all of us, really, the non-negotiables is also one 
of the biggest one, like where do you draw your line? So that's a big one, the non-negotiables. And what I often share with a, with, with a lot of, especially the young girls who really don't know where to draw the lines and they have to learn where to put the boundaries, I just explain them in terminology they'll understand. I tell them when you're going to school, your professor will just say, they're following a non-negotiable. You have to write for the following essay, they have to be a thousand words. That's non-negotiable. And anything that you use at somebody else's writing, you have to cite them. That's non-negotiable. And it has to be double-spaced. So all those three things are non-negotiable. So they cannot understand what non-negotiable is. So for me, my non-negotiables are my integrity, my respect, my morals, my ethics, things like that, my health and trust. So everybody has non-negotiables that they have. Like, where do you draw the line? And if you compromise, if you if you let people go Beyond that line, you've compromised your non-negotiables. So it's important to have boundaries. You don't want somebody to cross the line. And when you're an abused woman or man, you always, if somebody is abusing you, you have let them cross that boundary. You've allowed them to cross it. So you've been compromised. And that's why what happens to you will happen. So when you're going through it, of course, you're vulnerable, but you need to be strong enough to say, no, you'll not cross that boundary. Right. And the thing is, for me, but again, mm-hmm. you have to understand when you're talking about, um, what you say, integrity, uh, respect, mm-hmm. I'm like, people, mm-hmm. what happened to self-respect? Because when yes. we allow that to become compromised, we're mm-hmm. giving away our power. We're giving our power back to the very person who took it from us in the first place. The difference is, instead of it being stolen from us, now we're giving it freely. And That's sometimes right that will click when people are like, I don't, I'm not doing Now you're getting it. But right now you mm-hmm. are. Every time we look backwards, there's no way we can see what beauty is ahead of us if we spend our whole mm-hmm. lives walking forward with our necks broken, looking at what's behind us. You don't drive a car looking in the rear view mirror. Well, some of us don't. You know, <laughs> looking in the rear view mirror or looking over yeah. the back seat into the back seat. You know, mm-hmm. if you do, you're bound to run into trouble or have an accident or something else. So a lot yeah. of times, um, I think that again, the book brings it together nicely for people and. When you're talking about the young girls, one thing that mm-hmm. I've learned is that a lot of times working with, because when I started my foundation, we were working with the children, mm-hmm. but then the children went home to broken parents or caretakers. Mm-hmm. And in turn, the children would come back, back at square one, even further back from square one. So I had to develop a plan where it was, all-inclusive because there are some bitter older women out here and they are literally imprinting this hatred onto the next generations. So I don't know, have Mm -hmm. you ever in your, um, in your um, groups and seminars, do you ever see where some of the young people 
uh, have shared that a lot of the things or the way that they act is because of what they saw or what they were taught or heard? Oh, I see it all the time. Like when I'm working with with my students, this it's it's sometimes most of the time it's the norm because they, they come to my classes. I empower them. They go to a toxic environment. It's almost like a counterproductive. So it makes it a right. bit difficult. So what I've made, what is really effective for me, is I make sure that I sell the same message to my students as I do the parents because the parents are the ones who have enrolled this their the children to come take this class. So if they're going to take the class, they, the family has to support them. They have to help them go through it. But I work with the girls and give them this mentality that it doesn't matter what's around you. People will always say things that are negative. It doesn't matter if it's from your family, from your friends. I want, I want to build them up to be strong, strong, young, strong leaders. So the strength comes with me believing in them. Me always, if they have anything that is challenging, I always work with them. I believe in them because sometimes it's always the person, if somebody believes in you, it's amazing what you can do. And what I'll do with the parents that are doing, whether it's a parent or friends, I'll use the power of words. I'll use them, what I, I'll bring a toothpaste and I'll ask them, can you squish this toothpaste out and get all the paste out? So they will do that. And then I'll ask them, can you, they can't do it. So tell them the power of words. You have to be careful what you say because you can't take it back. So I show them that what I'm right. teaching these girls is really valuable. I need to support them, and they need to support them. And it's so important to keep the messages consistent because whatever I teach them, I teach the parents so that they can also understand, especially when they're being bullied. I give them tools on how to prevent that from happening, and I, I share the same messaging with the parents. So if somebody's being bullied, I always say WITS them, W-I-T-S. So what that acronym stands for, W is for walk away, because if somebody's bullying, if you walk away, they'll sometimes disappear. And if it, does, it doesn't work, if they're around you, you can ignore it. That's what I stands for, ignore it. Sometimes it'll work. And then the T is talk it out, because sometimes bullies don't understand where you're coming from. Maybe they have some kind of misunderstanding. If you talk it out, it works and everything is solved. But sometimes none of those three don't, if all the walk away, ignore and talk, talk out don't work, the very last step is seek help. Because you've tried all three, talk to a parent, talk to a counselor, talk to a mentor, so that these messages are there. So I share that with the students and I share it with the parents. Even when the parents, I think when the parents also need some counseling, the parents that are toxic also, that's all they know. That's what they were taught. So it is inherited. So if you have the conversation going between parents and children, you'd be amazed how quickly the, they start changing. It's not always the case, but it, most of the time it works. And it's worked for me. And I like challenges like that. If a parent is really toxic, I love the challenge. I'm mm-hmm. ready for it. Yeah, it's like, bring it on. I'm ready. <laughs> and it's how you talk to them, too. Because nobody wants to be evil. At the end of the day, we all want to be happy, but sometimes we just don't know how. And you just have to believe in these young girls and the families. Yep, I agree. I agree totally. Yeah. Yeah, so it's exciting working with communities like that. 
It is. I mean, and I think that a lot of people don't understand the power of giving back. Yes. And when you can take the trauma that you went through and Mm -hmm. I did a show many, many years ago. It's like one of my first shows. Mm -hmm. It was called Thank Thank Your Abuser. Oh, my gosh. Back then I had yeah. co-hosts with me, and they were like, you don't do that. I said, you don't understand. <laughs> You're not understanding what the story behind it, the, the statement means. Yeah. And, again, it's no different than turning your, your tragedy into triumph. You have to mm-hmm. understand it comes with letting go and, and forgiveness and all of these things. And to mm-hmm. this day, it's like, you know what? I want to thank you for teaching me, for putting me in that place that taught me how to be the person that I am today. Because all of the, the hurt or hell that I went through with that person, that also enlightened me and taught me. Again, when you said um, non-negotiables and all of that, each yeah. Each experience should teach us these types of things of what we are willing to accept and not accept and help us to realize. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I, I tell um, my attendees and students, I always tell my students, the diehard students, I know they have their pads and papers and they're taking notes anyway. But I say, think of this. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. You're a diamond. Mm-hmm. I said, you're a yellow diamond. You're a black diamond. You know, you're close to perfect diamond. And diamonds have this thing called inclusions, a.k.a. imperfect. But I tell yeah. people, at the end of the day, guess what? You're still a diamond. Mm-hmm. So continue to shine brightly. Because many years ago, oh, my gosh, nobody wanted a yellow diamond. They certainly didn't want a chocolate diamond. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And absolutely not a black diamond. And then all of Mm -hmm. a sudden they became popular. Mm -hmm. So the same diamond who people were looked upon as worthless became priceless. But the whole time they're all still a diamond no matter the shape, size, color, cut, clarity. And inclusions, it's mm-hmm. still a diamond. And what does that mean? A diamond is a diamond because of its hardness. It's yeah. the hardest thing on the more scale. So it's it's out of its strength. And I tell people every day, go home and remind yourself that you are a diamond. Mm-hmm. And the diamonds are formed from a, like the the hardest amount of heat. So they go through a lot of mm-hmm. suffering and a lot of heat yes. before they actually become diamonds. So it's the same thing. Anybody going through all that suffering and pain, at the end of the tunnel, you will yep. become a beautiful diamond. So that's a really good messaging that you share with your audience because they need to see the really, the metaphoric symbol of a diamond. How did it become a diamond? It's through the suffering, through the pain yep. that we all go through. We shouldn't be afraid of pain. We should embrace it because at the end of the day, you need to, when you're working on yourself, the beginning is tough. The middle is messy, but the end is empowering. It's great once you get to the other side. Yes. 
Yes. And I tell them, yeah. I said, you put that piece of gold in the ground for a couple million years, it goes through mm-hmm. the heat, it goes through the pressure, it goes through all yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, it's a diamond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I just love, and, and I'm the queen of metaphors and things like that. I tell them, I said, my piece is actually called, you're a diva. And they're like, yeah. a diva? I said, yeah, it stands for diamond in various assortments. Mm-hmm. So no matter, it's still a diamond. Yeah. And I no tell them, what. carry yourself mm-hmm. as such. You know, carry yourself mm-hmm. as such. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Yeah. Tell that person that you, I, I always send people to the mirror. I did a, um, <laughs> I do a, um, mirror a process. Yes, the mirror exercise. And then what That's I do hot. Is have mm-hmm. all of the older women. We all touch mm-hmm. each other on our shoulders, and then the person closest to the person looking in the mirror, we all lay hands so that they can draw the energy from us. Because I said, y'all, is something mm-hmm. to be said about going back to the days of old where you can draw your energy from your ancestors? Well, right now we're mm-hmm. here for you, and oh, that is awesome. the most freeing. Mm-hmm. Freeing exercise. When these people sit there and they look at themselves and they say say things to that person, some people are crying and they said, "I've never had enough. I've never had enough courage to say that until that very moment." That's the beauty of community. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of us working together. That's the beauty of us sharing mm-hmm. our strength to help someone yeah. else have enough strength to do what needs to be done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's important. Yeah. We, we all have different things to bring to the table. So if you can all work together, that's, that's important. So that's a good message as well. And I think that that's another thing you just brought up. We mm-hmm. all have something to bring to the table. It is not a competition. Mm-hmm. That's right. We all can do the same thing because if we did, it would be chaos. So you have to bring in your strength. Right. I bring my strength. And together, as long as we have a common good that we're all working on, which is just make kindness go viral. That's what we want. We want kindness to go viral so everybody's kind to each other. That is so key, especially in today's life. We need to continue being kind to one another. We should have that on the wall. Make tell- kindness go viral. <laughs> yep. We should do that, Mm -hmm. make it a whole movement. So (laughs) that's a thought. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, you know, I tell people back to the everyone brings something to the table. Not everyone is meant to be the leader. And so Mm -hmm. many people say, well, why you got to do this? But think about it this way. Is a leader still a leader if they don't have anyone who follows them? I said, again, everyone brings something. It's yeah. just a simple, different, it's mm-hmm. the shift. You want to change the way that people see things. If we can get them mm-hmm. out of that victimology mode and put them in the victor mode, they can understand something. Let's go back. When you said, when you write out that list, what are you good at? Mm-hmm. What do you like to do? Mm-hmm. If you're good you're at... you guy. If, <laughs> yeah, if someone is good at ballet... 
You're good at ballet. Mm-hmm. Teach ballet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone else may be good at painting from memory mm-hmm. or playing a piano by ear. I'm like, people, you all can't be the same thing. Like you said, that would be total chaos. But when <laughs> we all yeah. come together, I said, if you're baking a cake, you don't just pour flour mm-hmm. in the bowl. <laughs> you know, for those people who know how to cook from scratch, that's not how you yeah. make a cake. So you have to have other ingredients. And in the end, yeah. you have this tasty morsel, this thing that you want to devour, and it's so delicious. <laughs> but you can't have Making that. Making me hungry. Just pour... <laughs> I'm trying to visualize the cake now. You know, now, I know yeah. right now I'm like, Darn, now I might have to cook. Oh, dear. But um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm an empty nester, so that's a little bit of um, encouragement for me not to make a cake. But, um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but we have to work together. And mm-hmm. if we don't, then mm-hmm. we're not going anywhere, no matter yeah, how we, hard we, need... we try. Yeah, we definitely do. And we need to look inside of ourselves because sometimes we do that. Because I'm always reminded by Wayne Dyer. He gives he, he shared this story, and I'll share it with you. It's, um, imagine yourself in, in, in your room, in your living room, and you have the keys in your hands, and they drop on the ground. And you look everywhere, but you can't find them. And then you look outside, you see this light outside. So a light bulb goes into your head and you're like, oh, I'm going to go outside and look for my keys. It sounds ridiculous. So there you are looking for your keys and then your neighbor comes in and says, what are you doing? And you tell the neighbor, well, I'm looking for my keys. And the neighbor, of course, tries to help you. The neighbor asks, where did you lose your keys? And you said, well, I lost them in the house. And the neighbor says, why are you looking for your keys out here? And he said, well, because it's much better here because there's light. So isn't that what we do sometimes in life? Instead of actually going inside ourselves, we look elsewhere for, to solve our problems. So we need to look within ourselves to solve our problems instead of going elsewhere. So I think that sometimes can be a big issue with ourselves, just trying to understand our self-worth because we're afraid of facing reality. So instead, we just look outside, which is one of the things that brings out gratitude, being grateful, being thankful for what you have, not looking elsewhere to solve your problem, just being grateful. So what I always advocate, in addition to the gratitude journal, have what I call a joyful journal. What, are you, what, makes, what gives you joy? It could be maybe waking up early in the morning having that cup of tea or coffee. That gives you joy. Maybe walking outside bare feet, walking in the grass, or walking in the going for a walk and you listen to the birds and that, what gives you joy? So that joyful feeling, in addition to gratitude, is just going to be mentally impactful to you. You're going to feel so wonderful. It's going to create this well-being of happiness. So those are the just simple things we can all do to make ourselves even better than we were yesterday. And that's the key. Every day you just do small things to make yourself better so you can live a fantastic life. And that's what it's all about. And that is so true. Mm-hmm. And you just mm-hmm. write it out. And this book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic mm-hmm. Life. Yeah, it's just so well written where 
it's not a hard read for people, and they mm-hmm. really do break it down where you can figure it out. It's laid out yes. for you so that mm-hmm. it, it hopefully that it will incite you to want to put that plan in place for your lives to become a better person, to move past the point that you are now mm-hmm. and to continue to rise. Because for some of us, there's no guarantee. Have I had that ND? Of course I have. For me, yes. <laughs> but for some mm-hmm. of us, we haven't gone to the other side and been given that chance to come back. So we want to make mm-hmm. the very best of the here and now. So you want to live yeah, every single day mm-hmm. and make it your best day. Even when you're going through some bad things, make it mm-hmm. the best day for you. That's yeah, it's I very say. important. Yeah, I agree. And in the book oh. we have, we have stories. Like like you were talking about the butterfly struggling to become a beautiful butterfly, struggling through life. So he starts off with a a parable or a story and then a conversation between me and Dr. Laika and then a moral behind each golden pearl. So if we're talking about love, there's seven different kinds of love. There's motherly love. There's uh, there's obsession love. There's self-love. So there's seven of them that we identify in there. And any one of those could fit with us. And one of the one that um, one of the stories that I found really interesting was I volunteer at the at a palliative care as well, which is usually what palliative care is. In case the listeners are not familiar, is people uh, they, they they go to palliative care where they it's the last phase of their life, so they're terminal. They're going to be dying within a few months or weeks, even days. So I volunteer there. And the reason I volunteer is I want to give back to the families who are going through so many hardships that just me being there for even an hour to relieve them from being with their loved ones so they can go have a cup of tea or just take a break. So that's what I do. I volunteer there. And when I'm there, I usually speak to the patients. And one of the biggest things that's so common, I could even write a book on this, is they all have regrets. They all have regrets saying, you know, I should have done this. Mm -hmm. I should have. I should have. Yep. And they always tell me, you need to live your life. Because one of the ladies told me, and I think it's something metaphoric that she heard, but one of the women in in the palliative care told me, when you're born, you're crying and everybody else is laughing. So live a life that when you die, you're the one laughing and everybody else is crying. And I thought that was so impactful. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to continue living life that is so impactful so that when I die, I, I already have no regrets. Everybody else can continue crying, but I'm, I'm okay. I did what I needed to do. My legacy can still go on, even though it's not done. I hope it does continue when I'm gone. So that's in the book, I do talk a bit about that as well. And it's important for all of us to really live a life that we were meant to have. I mean, we can go through seasons of happiness, sorrow, joy, just like life we have winter, summer, spring, and autumn. So all of those, nothing is permanent. Everything is temporary. So today you might feel happiness. Tomorrow you'll feel sadness. And tomorrow you feel joy. Right. So that's all part of our phases. So we need to just go with it. Yeah. It's, if you do what's easy, yeah. you're going to have a hard life. 
if you do what's hiding enough in your yep. life. Yeah, so that's exactly. that's, how you, that's the way you live it. Yeah. 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 It's, oh, we it's have a, a question. Mm-hmm. No, it's oh, not. Yeah, it, it is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. a question. Is is the book available online? How 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 yes. can they get a copy of the book? Oh, right now it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon.ca, and I believe it's also on Amazon.com. And it's called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And uh, yesterday when I looked online, it was half price because normally it's $25, and that's Canadian. But it's, uh, I think, in the, the .com, which is uh, U.S., it's much cheaper there. It could be like $12 or something like that. So it's, uh, it's, it's on sale for this week. So it's uh, definitely a, no. a good time to get it when, because what Amazon does, it became a bestseller as well. So we were excited about that. So we launched last week on June 5th. And then as soon as we launched it, we became bestseller. So that was great. That was exciting. It's not easy to be a bestseller on Amazon, but we became bestseller. And it's because of all the the listeners, the clientele, and everybody who supports us. And with that, with the books, 20% of the, of the sales do go to the women's shelters. So if somebody in New York buys the book, 20% of what we make will go to the, to the shelter in, in your city. So that's, what's, that's really what makes a difference with the book. So we use the book just to, to showcase, uh, to basically to help people have a fantastic life and to really let them know that, you know, we, you don't have to share your story but you have to know that you're not alone. That's the main message. You're not alone. We've, we've gone through it. So we have not, um, golden pearls to help you get through whatever it is that you're going through. And the other thing that we, me and Dr. Laika have is uh, if your listeners would like to have a golden pearl one, every Tuesday, they can text uh, to this number, and I'll give it to you if you have a pen. It is, mm-hmm. and you don't get spammed with any messages. It's just purely to give you a golden pearl. So it's one eight one nine seven one seven two five one five. So that's one eight one nine seven one seven two five one five. So you get a golden pearl every Tuesday. And what a go and oh you have to text the word golden pearls. So just text the word golden pearls, P E A R L S. And you get a different golden pearl. So this week I got a, a golden pearl. It was on vulnerability. So it was vulnerability is basically uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And that's by Brene Brown. And last week I was feeling down in the dumps and I got one that was really empowering. I was like, oh, I needed to, to hear this affirmation, this quote. So it's almost like a message that you don't expect to get. And then all of a sudden on Tuesday you get something that really lifts up your spirit. So that's uh, and that's free. That text text is free. It doesn't you don't get charged for extra. Yeah. So that's the, so that's really what the, the text message is. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I am my my email. You can go to my website is is empoweredme.ca. So that's empoweredme.ca. Or they can call me too. My phone number is seven eight zero two six five. Six eight eight four, and that's a Canadian area code. So you all heard that it's a Canadian area code. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) 
so, so be mindful of the exercise. You it's probably this. better to yeah. So it's probably better to email <laughs> to save on charges because they can get very expensive. <laughs> so I'm always mindful yes. of that. So yeah. So so the best thing is definitely just contact me through my website, empoweredme.ca, and we also do keynote speaking. And right now, the biggest thing is there's no stage to do your speeches. So we've been doing a lot of. Uh, virtual zoom i'm I'm getting zoomed out right <laughs> as everybody is <laughs> but it's fun <laughs> it's been fun actually working with a with a community using zoom um, i've become actually quite a pro at it i was a little bit shy yeah like oh i don't know the lighting has to be a certain way and everything has to work yes. but I'm, I'm so used to it that it's second nature now <laughs> yeah i um, nothing it says i have a background <laughs> I have a background in media, so yeah. I, I and with mm-hmm. me being of a darker hue, I have to have the right mm-hmm. everything, the right light, and all of that, mm-hmm. so that um, yeah. I don't look yeah, like I'm the same. I'm, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I know sometimes I feel like it was a shadow of me. I where, where am I? I see a shadow. Where am I? Right. <laughs> so I, I've 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 got this. Uh, I got um, it's from Amazon. I think it's called like a. A donut lighting, so I just put that in front of my lighting, and I get the perfect lighting. And you can dim it; you can make it look amazing. So I look like I'm on on a TV show, on a media. Like I got everybody <laughs> working right. on me. So it's it's beautiful because Zoom, you really have to be mindful of the lighting and all that. And it worked well. So I'm used to it. I, I can't see myself going anywhere else now. I'm quite com- content doing virtual meetings now. <laughs> the new normal. Says yeah, I love them. Mm-hmm. I love them, so it works well for me. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me look and make sure that. Um, and another thing that you said um, is something else that I also mirror on on my programs is that the fact that you're here. If you're not mm-hmm. ready to speak or to do that, I always tell people at the end of my shows, I'm like, listen. You didn't come on air. You didn't have to do that, but you stuck it out with us. And I always thank mm-hmm. them for that and say, hey, that's a first step. That's a first yeah. step. When you don't mm-hmm. get up and walk away, you're here for the whole time. That's your first step. So I tell people, congratulate yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back and add a guy, add a girl, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. you took the first because we can't go anywhere if we don't put one foot in front of the other. So, um, that's right. Yeah. I always tell that's people very that. important. Yeah, yeah. Because people like the the only thing you can never get back is time. You can have a vehicle it gets damaged. You can always get another vehicle. But as far as time, you can never get back. We all get twenty four hours in a day. What we do with the twenty four hours, it's up to us. So for your audience and everybody listening. For them to commit their time to sit there and listen to us, that's a huge deal because they could have chosen to spend their time doing other things that are what they want to do, but they chose to to commit the time and spend with us. So I do want to thank your audience for doing that because that is a huge deal because time is something you can never get back no matter what. Yes, and one more comment. Very interesting. I will be mm-hmm. checking out the book. Um, I guess they say they'll chat with me tomorrow. And I they are about to jump off and go over <laughs> okay. to another appointment. So 
uh, and they mm-hmm. said they'll be coming back to listen to the show from the beginning. So thank you very oh, much. Um, thanks for sticking it out with us, as always. You are appreciated <laughs> greatly. My mere words cannot mm-hmm. express my uh, gratitude for you being here. And, yes, we will talk tomorrow. You know, a lot of people, they listen overnight, and then they'll contact me tomorrow. Then they'll have the 8,000 <laughs> questions. And um, I'm like, okay, I'll be sure to get those answered for you. Um, but thank you all for being here. Uh, is there anything? We have actually we have less than 15 minutes left. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we, we time goes by when you're having fun. And again, yeah, um, is there any other pearl that you would like to um, share or anything that you would like to really uh, leave the listeners with uh, tonight? Because I'm going to turn the mic over to you so that you can give us uh, whatever wisdom you have left that we have not covered, and then uh, we'll be ending our program. And I'd love to have you back again just to see how things are going and, you know, what new height you have uh, risen to and (laughs) which set of eagles you're soaring with. And... um, Oh, you better. And to talk about... You mentioned something else, too, that's a show for another day. I wrote that down. You were talking Mm -hmm. about when you were in the modeling world, too fat, too skinny, all of those things. Mm -hmm. That's a show for another day because, you know, girls (laughs) deal with this. Oh, my gosh. That, that's, yeah, that's a show for another day. Oh, yeah, um, I'll tell you stories of how I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have to share yeah. you my modeling stories uh, where we had some of us were always on IVs because we didn't eat and then would faint. But that's another day, another time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be a great thin, show. To tell you. Yeah. Yeah. We're all that dying to be a great thin, show. In yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that for me, I had to get to that mm-hmm. point for me. Because remember when I had said earlier that I looked in the mirror and didn't recognize who I, the person looking back at me. I had gained the mm-hmm. weight and did the whole nine yards. And even now, I don't know whether it was mm-hmm. my body changing or whatever. I had started going to the doctors a little more than a year ago because I was putting on weight like crazy, just putting it on. And, oh. um, you know, and oh, now wow, I'm down by you know, a little more than 51 pounds or so. So I'm oh, still going. Congratulations. Oh, my That's gosh. Thank deal. you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, the doctor was helping me. I don't know what went wrong. Yeah. Oh, well, because I'm an on runner, so I eat a lot and I run. But when I was modeling, my biggest challenge was I was too thin. I was I'm five foot nine and I was 100 pounds. So you can just visualize how thin I was. I'm not 100 pounds anymore. Now I'm 125. So I did gain a bit of weight. But it was, and that's for another time, of course. I'll come back and share uh-huh. the stories that went on. 
<laughs> keep the audience in suspense until next time. So my last yes, word is yes. that I'm going to challenge you. I'd like to challenge your audience to actually do something they don't normally, like be kind to your neighbor. Maybe there's your neighbor who needs somebody to go buy some groceries for them because they haven't been able to do that. Or maybe cut the lawn, smile at a stranger, just make people feel great. Use that gratitude, that kindness and just share with the world so that everybody can have the big smile because there's so much negative energy going on and appreciate the potential that we all have we all need one another so let's just serve with love and just be kind so that's all i want your your audience to do is just be kind to one another just love yourself completely so you have to love yourself first before you can love other people because if you don't have love in you you really don't have love to give so really just love one another and heal whatever you're going through. It's going to be okay. You got this. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me and sharing sharing my golden pearls, the secrets to living a fantastic life with your audience. And I'm so grateful that you gave me two hours. I didn't realize it was two hours <laughs> of, uh, of your time because your time is also <laughs> very valuable. <laughs> and I had lots of fun. It was, it was awesome. It was amazing. So thank and you I again. Thank you. And, um, mm-hmm. and thank you as well for uh, agreeing to come on. I always tell, as again, like I said, you come you come as a guest but you leave you're a member of this family anytime mm-hmm. you want to come back you just have to shoot mm-hmm. me an email saying hey maria you know what let's mm-hmm. talk about yeah. the modeling <laughs> thing or whatever you want to talk about and um because right. yeah. mm-hmm. i i just i just started up healing through hurt again mm-hmm. because this has been on hiatus for a couple years and mm-hmm. um I was doing the Saturday morning show, which is FOCUS. I told you I'm the queen of acronyms and things. So that stands for <laughs> Females Offering Clarity, Unity, and Success. So that's oh, one like of my it. registered <laughs> trademarks, too. So, again, mm-hmm. anytime you want to come back and share some, I call them titanium tidbits. I'm not, you know, everybody uses <laughs> golden nuggets. I can't do it. Um <laughs> But anytime you want, and in your case, golden pearls, and in your case, golden (laughs) pearls. So (laughs) we'll have have an idea of fun. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Anytime you want to share, let me know. It's good to be the boss Mm -hmm. because I can fit you in. Um, Mm -hmm. Would love to have you back to talk about the modeling world. And I, I remember mm-hmm. what it was like for me and I was the fashion designer. So they were, they were oh, my okay. creation. The models were wearing. And um, oh. so again, it was, oh. um, again, we can do that compare and contrast. And even tonight oh, okay. I said, you know, mm-hmm. just so similar how we do things just from a different perspective, but the messages mm-hmm. are the same. And I love that. I love the fact Mm -hmm. that uh, all that you had gone through, um, your experience um, brought you to Mm -hmm. this point. And uh, at some point I'll have on the doctor as well. Um, But Mm -hmm. there was something about you that I said, you know what? I said, I'd like Mm -hmm. to have her, her, 
And um, they were like, oh, my gosh, okay, great, Maria. We can take care of this. Good, do that for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, I, yeah, I enjoyed I it. Both of us. Yeah. Yeah, yes. we had the, yes. the opportunity to be together, but sometimes it's difficult because we have a lot to share and our stories are so different yet similar. So sometimes we do an hour of the both of us, so we only get one or two nuggets in there, <laughs> golden pearls in this case. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been great. It's been wonderful. And yeah, anytime Dr. Yeah. Michael will be happy to share his misdiagnosis that he went through. So his story is also very impactful as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah, been wonderful. Sense. You want to come back and share some more of those pearls? Feel free. I'm hoping that the mm-hmm. people, the listeners will buy the book. And um, mm-hmm. it is on Amazon U.S. people, so, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's on other Amazons as well, not just yeah, uh, we Canada and yeah. U.S., so look them mm-hmm. up, get the book, <laughs> and um, yeah. read it and enjoy it, because trust me, you will learn mm-hmm. something from it. Uh, I've sat here and gone through it several times, and probably going mm-hmm. to go through it again. So oh, well, thank you yeah, for being Oh, you're welcome. Thank you again. We'll talk to you again soon where you stay well and be kind as you already are. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I'm just going to follow your lead and um, follow Mm -hmm. your your golden pearls and help to make me a better person. Because when I cease (laughs) to learn, I cease to grow Mm -hmm. and I cease to exist. So thank you so much for being (laughs) here. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. You as well. And to all of you, my special guest, thank you. Thank you. Thank you a million times over, times infinity. (laughs) It's been great. So, yeah, hope to see you again soon. (laughs) It sounds awesome. You're welcome. Okay. Bye for now. All right. Bye. Have a great evening. Um, again, my special guest this evening was Harriet Tinka. The name of the book that she co-authored is The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. It is the story of two survivors reveal 13 golden pearls that they've discovered on their individual life journeys. Beautiful lady, beautiful book, beautiful story. And some of you may only find the the tragedy in it. But again, Harriet shares how she triumphed over all of that. And each one of you can do the same thing. So it's been another night. This is only our second show for Healing Through Hurt. And I promise you, I'm going to continue to bring you the very best of guests who are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Those are for the feel-good, foo-foo, fluff-fluff gurus out there. I'm going to bring you the very best to give you what you need to become your very best and live your best life. So until next time, as always, I want to pray each and every one of you enough. I pray you enough sunshine to brighten your rainy days. I also pray you enough rain to make your gardens grow beautifully. I pray you enough smiles to turn the frown that you've been carrying around upside down, but most of all, I pray you enough strength and courage to face whatever may be knocking at your door and coming your way from this very moment and beyond. It feels good to be back. 
Healing Through Hurt will be here throughout the summer before we switch up for our fall programming. Again, my guest tonight was Harriet Tinka. The name of the book is The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. It is on Amazon. Pick it up. And let me see if I can remember. If you text Golden Pearls to 1-819-717-2515, you can receive daily messages that give you that positive boost that you will need. So as we begin, we will end with Tori Lee's good music. I will see you again soon. Next week is open chat. It's all about what's on your mind. And, of course, it's that time for me to sit down and tell you what I've been up to for the last couple of years while I took uh, a vacation from Healing Through Hurt. But, you know, I was doing other programs, too. But we'll talk about that next week. Until then, be well, be blessed. I'm Dr. C., a.k.a. The Mediator, and she wrote right here at Our Ground Zero. I'll see you soon. I get lost in your words. It feels so good when I'm hurt. Take my mind off of the pain. Love when the beat takes me away with only good music. Oh, 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 with only good music. Something about the things you say stays in my mind. Makes me wanna sit down and listen to you. I listen all night. Oh my goodness, I forgot to tell you. If you need to call us, our office number is 202-618-2556, 202-618-2556. All you have to do is reach out, and someone will be there to grab your hand and pull you up and lift you up. So until next time, again, I'm Dr. C. I will see you next week, same time, same place, here on Healing Through Hurt iTalk Radio for open chat. It's all about what's on your mind. Stop the music, cologne, strum my pain with the fingers. I could really use it. Quiet storms full of purple rain. My Sharia more lovely as a summer day. I'll let the whispers follow Marvin Gaye in my headphones till the music starts to fade away. I give away my brown sugar for.